0: Now listening to the
1: Dynasty Rewind.
0: What is going on, everybody? I am your host, Michael Bauer. The best in the business is back in business. We got a little bit of a different podcast look tonight look and feel to it we are joined by myself the host with or without the most michael bauer and we got phil porkman simmons and we have a ringer tonight chev couldn't make it need is still on vacation we have sorry i'm that's still set on loop forgive me we have the dfs thunder from down under we've got dan Rozier on the pod tonight dan how are we doing
1: there you go, guys. Nothing screams NFL off season, peak NFL off season, like when I get the call up an hour before kickoff. That is, <laughs> that's peak. Dan, can you turn up? Yeah, why not? And let's he go. did.
0: Yeah, I let's have one, it. one question for our listeners. So you are of Australian origin. Are you one hell of a kicker or what?
1: I think we're bred that way, mate.
0: I think so. Like, what is up yeah. with the Aussies and being good kickers? I don't know what the deal uh, I, with that is.
1: Honestly, it's a lot of like every other code of football or footy as we call it back home. You look at like Aussie rules or AFL. These guys are hitting them off three, four steps, 70 yards on the fly. So that's that's kind of where it stems from. So it's not really that much of a shock. But, you know, that O-linemen seem to be the thing, right? With Maialata and now Farlaylee. Like, where did he go? Um, to I don't know. I don't remember where Farlaylee went. I know he went like the fifth Minnesota. round.
2: He was at the University
1: of Minnesota. I don't know if he stayed in Minnesota, but obviously, like now we got these big boys from back home. You know, it's it's they're starting to hit those O line, and as long as the NFL keeps branching out, you know these guys are going to get found and picked up at some point. So, mm-hmm. was it uh, my lad is now what the third or fourth most highest paid left tackle? Is that right?
0: Something like that, yeah. For a something guy like that never that, played, yeah. <laughs> one guy never played a game before, you know.
1: So Seven those guys. Three. Let me tell you something. Boy, boys like that are bread and built everywhere there's there's a hundred of them on every block
0: we'll Maybe. say this though hats off to Jeff Stoutland for taking a guy who had never played football before and making him into one of the highest paid left tackles left tackles mind you in the NFL that yeah. says something right there i mean jeff stoutland is a fantastic offensive line coach um but you know the difference between the tack position is you know who your starters are And that might not always be the case. Sometimes you do not know who to pick. Uh, J.J. Zacharyson calls them ambiguous backfields. We're just going to call them crowded committee backfields. So we're going to apply that today to dynasty fantasy football. So what are we doing with crowded backfields? Committee backfields. The NFL is going to running back by committee. Everybody wants a bell cow. Just doesn't really exist anymore. Let me give you some examples of crowded backfields, just so you can kind of gauge what we're talking about here. You got San Francisco. New England, Miami, Houston, Seattle, to an extent. Uh, you have Atlanta as well. Uh, these are just crowded backfields. Guys, we really don't know what to do. Let's look at San Francisco. Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson Jr., Tyron Davis, Price, Jamichael Hasty. Jordan Mason is on the roster too. Jordan Mason is probably going to be fantasy relevant at some point in time because that's just what San Francisco does. New England, we got Damian Harris, Ramondre Stephens, Pierce Strong, James White, Kevin Harris, and J.J. Taylor. Miami, Chase Edmond, Sonny Michelle, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, Savannah Ahmed, Quandre White, and Jared Dokes. Ugh. Houston is one that concerns me a lot. We got Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, Damian Pierce, Royce Freeman, still hanging out. I once traded a second-round pick for Royce Freeman. Fun fact. Dare Ogunbowale and Darius Anderson. Seattle, we have Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker III, Chris Carson, DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Darwin Thompson once a former second-round draft pick of me and Josh Johnson. And we move to the Atlanta Falcons, closing it out. I just really want you guys to see what we're dealing with here. Cordero Patterson, Damian Williams, Tyler Algier, Avery Williams, Quadre Olison, and Caleb Huntley. So there's going to be points in your drafts, your startup drafts, where you're staring down the barrel of a committee backfield running back. And what do you do? It's, it's a concern because – you know, do you go here, do you go wide receiver, do you go tight end? So we just kind of broke it up a little bit, just some different topics on the subject. So let's just start off. Dan, we're going to start off with you because you are the guest of honor. So Dan, what is the first thing you look at when dissecting a crowded backfield? Is it opportunity? Ability is receiving back. Is it the scheme? What do you do?
1: Yeah, so for me, when it comes to this sort of thing, the most important thing when I'm looking at backfields like this is definitely the setup. Of the league I'm in, and the and the scoring settings. If you're in a first down point per a point per first down league, that's important to know. If it's point per, uh, sort you know full PPR, then you're adding another half point down. You're obviously looking at those three down guys. The later it gets, like points per carry leagues, are now a thing. So obviously that for me is a big deal and knowing who to go because if you if you're talking about those advantages and bonuses, then that's what I want to look at. Um, more importantly than that, though, I feel like scheme has to be. The most important thing we just touched on one of the backfields there before in terms of Miami. We look at what Mike McDaniels did, obviously, out in San Fran. You know, he's going to run that zone. A guy like Chase Edmonds is, I thought he would have fallen a lot sooner in drafts, especially best ball startups. He's a guy that's floated back, but I don't see another guy in that team. Just for example, I, I, I really don't think there's anyone there that could really take that away from him. Sony Michelle, maybe on short yard work, but. Mm-hmm you're looking at scheme and you're looking at committees. I, I think you can get a guy like Chase Edmonds eighth round, ninth round, 10th round. And I don't think there's anyone really on his roster that can really challenge him for at least terms of quality and how good he can be used in all facets of the game. So that's, that's what I would probably lean towards scheme and how it matches up with the league settings. I mean,
0: okay. All right. And also, you know what, this applies to everything. Always know your league settings because you've seen in drafts, you know, people are drafting. Is this tight end premium? Oh, this is super flex. I didn't know. It's like, guys and girls, take a couple don't minutes, look at your league settings, yeah. look at your roster settings, because there's nothing more frustrating than to commissioners and everybody else in your league than someone be like, "We well, did not know." <laughs> it, it happened to me once this year. I'm going to be completely, completely forward about it. There's a league that I don't participate in the chat, and I've been better with participating in chats this off because. It's just like 24 hours a day, just ding 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 ding. And I'm like, this is driving me insane. So I muted the chat. I didn't know that they were switching it to everybody sit down at two o'clock on Saturday and do your draft. I thought it was going to be just like a slow draft. Yeah, like an hour a pick or something like that. And I timed out. It was like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, please kick me out of the league then. Um, Pork, what about <laughs> you? What are you looking at when you're dissecting a, cr- a crowd of backfield here?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing for me <clears throat> when I'm looking at these backfields, the, especially the list that you made up, which is a really good list of crowded backfields, it's pretty much just talent. Per se. Can you tell me again um, how
0: good that list is, please? I would like to hear it one more time. <laughs>
2: the, the, the the list is pretty good because it seems like um, the way the NFL is moving and the NFL is moving towards a majority of, of crowded backfields because we we've seen what they've done to – majority of the high talented receivers with no help behind them. They've been getting killed. The prime example is, is Todd Gurley. Uh, Todd Gurley was 25 years old and nobody was touching him in drafts at all because his knees are shot. He can barely walk on a regular day. But I, <clears throat> I think for me in, in general, is it's just talent per se. So if, if we look at, for example, uh I, I'll just go with Seattle at this point. Um, We all know Rashad Penny. He's always been hurt and Chris Carson's hurt a lot as well. I think in, in that point, the talent will the talent will the cream will rise to the top with the Kenneth Walker in that in that aspect. So I'll try to, you know, wait a little bit longer um, and probably get like a Kenneth Walker in that case. I know a lot of people are, are really high on a Rashad Penny this year because of what he did at the end of the year, but the history shows that the man cannot stay healthy. Um, so in, in that case, do you wanna go with somebody that's gonna be a risky or a safe pick and a Kenneth Walker? I, in that case, I want the talent in a Kenneth Walker, then a Rashad Penny at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm I'm going towards um the talent and the scheme is is a big thing as well. Um, you just have to see how the the running backs going to um fit in that scheme as well. So if you know you're gonna get a San Francisco running back one of them guys are going to hit, you're just not really sure, because everybody thought it was going to be a Trey Sermon, and it wound up being an Elijah Mitchell, who was supremely talented as well, um, who we scouted and we were uh, fans of at that point. So, you know, you just got to, you know, focus on the talent, um, see how they see how they run, and see how they fit in the scheme, and uh, and I, I think that's how it goes.
0: Yeah, for me, it's it's all about opportunity, to be perfectly honest with you. It's... Obviously, scheme's important. Scoring is important. And I know you have receiving backs. You have your guys, your first and second down hammers. But I want to know who's going to get the most touches. Like, there's going to be times where, you know, take, for example, in 2019, you had a crowded backfield in Philadelphia, Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. <clears throat> Pardon me. Miles Sanders turned out to be the better back. Jordan Howard did get hurt, but... You know, Jordan Howard was great on first and second down. Miles Sanders is getting a lot of receiving work. I think Buffalo could actually be put on this list as, list as well. I know everybody is like, oh, who should I draft at the 110? Should I draft James Cook for the millionth time? Please don't do that. Devin Singletary is still the running back I want in Buffalo, to be honest with you. Uh, I think he's going to get the most receiving yards. I think he's going to get more rushing work than people think. But it's all about opportunity. I want Elijah Mitchell. Um, I don't think Tyron Davis Price is good. Jeff Wilson's going to hog some touchdowns. Trey Sermon sucks. Um, And the other guys are just kind of guys. Then, you know, looking at it like there's probably going to be backfields that I'll just stay away from because I really don't know. when It's okay to say when someone's like this guy or this guy, it's okay to be like neither. Find someone else. I'm probably doing that with New England. In Miami, I think I just want Chase Edmonds. In Houston, right now I want Marlon Mack. Next year, I might want Damian Pierce or nobody. Seattle, give me Kenneth Walker. Although I feel like you could probably get Rashad Penny really late and roll him out there to start the season. Um, and in Atlanta, I'm probably just going to stay away from Atlanta, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, just moving on to our next subtopic here of this greater topic Do we stay away from backfields like this? Would you pivot to another position? Or are you going to take chances when the value is right? you know, when the ADP is good. So, Pork, why don't we start with you on this one?
2: Yeah, so I usually uh, stay away from um, backfields like this because from week to week, you you really don't know what you're going to do uh, from week to week f- dealing with those third down type of satellite backs. And I, I'm not really sure. So I think at this point, um, like I said before, the way the, way the league is, is moving forward, it's starting to become the wave of the wave of the league with, with the RBBC. So you might have to, you know, take a few guys um, that can get you those PPR points. Like Dan said, you just got to know your league. If you're going to get points per first down or, um, or, you know, the P, the regular PPR uh, points per reception, um, you might have to take some of them guys and put them on your bench on, you know, long, on your long bench of, uh, dynasty, um, just in case of injury and whatnot. So you can just plug and play. Um, I know last year I had a uh, Gio Bernard on my bench for the longest, and then um, they dealt with an injury, and I had to actually start him. He actually won me a week uh, because he he was he scored a touchdown. I think it was Tampa Bay. Uh, he scored a touchdown, uh, receiving touchdown, and it, it won me a week. So um, from week to week, I, I don't want that, but it's good to have on your bench just in case of injury and, and such and such.
0: Okay um dan what about you you staying away you you buying in? i think i know best ball is a different yeah a different story where i feel like best ball with situations like this it's probably a little bit more acceptable to take the RBBC backs but what are you doing in a dynasty league
1: yeah again i think i'm, I'm more indifferent on the situation because it, it has to be when the value becomes correct like I, i've mentioned it before i think you look to two years ago i've said it Austin Eckler was in a committee with Melvin Gordon and then a year later, he's the RB3 and that's where he's going at now, right? You could look at it to a year ago where Zach Moss was the number one running back in Buffalo. Was he an RB1 or something, right? That's what I remember. and yeah, uh he was the RB1 was, overall. He yeah. was the RB1 overall, right. And, uh, you know, that's where he began and then obviously Singletary takes over, right? Now he's looking at a 10, 12, 13 touches a game. The value has to be right for that to happen because if you were someone that picked up a guy like Devin Singletary in the 12th, 13th round in what was a formidable committee if you throw in Josh Allen, then you've probably got yourself a bargain on your hands with people not knowing what to do in a situation like that. So I, I think it all depends on where the value falls. Like you could argue that a guy like, like Zeke Elliott's now in a one-two committee, right? With Tony Pollard. And it just depends on where the value thing. falls. You could also say a year ago that a guy like Ronald Jones was the first running back taken in Tampa before Leonard Fournette prior to about a month before the season started. So if you're doing all these startup drafts, Ronald Jones was going before a guy like Leonard Fournette. How'd that work out? So like it just depends on where these guys fall. And obviously Gio was there too. So and Keyshawn Vaughn. So like that was a, a committee in Tampa that ended up working out okay if you're someone that ended up taking a guy like Leonard Fournette because his value fell. So I don't I don't necessarily stay away from it. Obviously, it depends on how your draft is panned out at the beginning. And then you can go from there and evaluate, okay, well, look, it's a 26-year-old running back. He might be a shot. Maybe I'll get one or two years and I can flip and bring in something else later. So I'm indifferent. It just depends on the situation and circumstances and how they arrive at your doorstep.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, for me, admittedly, we always, we're always looking for that bell cut back. And I think that's just something that's ingrained in our psyche when we're drafting or when we're assembling a team is we want that guy that we think is going to be a starter. You want to fill your starting lineup with as many starting players as you can, but it's not always possible. You know, the NFL is leaning more towards running back by committee. So I'm building my teams more wide receiver centric for that reason. And this is a situation where sometimes um, it was, it's like you're building a team and you do a punt year one, or you do a productive struggle right off the bat. And you fill your roster out, loaded with younger but unproven wide receivers. You take some running back by committee or committee backs, and then you draft running backs in the future, guys that you think are going to be studs. You know, maybe last year you would have swooped in and got a Najee. And this year you tank again, and you got a Brees Hall, who had the world's longest holdout today. So was that about a two-hour holdout, or did he sign before he even – before they were –
1: those New York taxes, though, Mike, they're pretty bad. I ought to be waiting a little bit as well. They're, they're not. That is my true. first. My first paycheck, I cried. You know, so <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I hear that. Um, so you know, th- that's one of those things. But if the ADP is right and I could fill a hole in my team, I need a running back, and I think he's good and he's better than anybody else that I like in that area. Be it at any other position, completely fine taking it. You know, I've been talking about Devin Singletary for a long time he's a guy that I'd look at as well. So let's go to the next one. When's the best time to draft a player like this startup or rookie draft? I think the rookie draft is when we always feel like guys are in a committee because they're the new guy coming in. And we always like to say, your briefs hall comes at Well, Michael Carter is still going to get work. Damian Pierce comes in. We still have Rex Burkhead and, and uh, Marlon Mack. So maybe their value is a little bit lesser. But uh, Dan, when's the best time for you to draft these guys?
1: the right answer i told you i'm indifferent the right answer for me is both like we we mentioned the atlanta backfield before and tyler Algier, i actually love the landing spot for him and where he fell in rookie drafts and where he fell in the nfl draft and you're looking at a guy like what quarter old patterson or what he's 10 to 11 carries a game like that's meant to be a threat or old old chalk bones damian williams like that's not really going to be a threat to me in regards to what Algier can actually do he's light on the touches because obviously a linebacker before or something right And a guy that can walk in into a team where Arthur Smith just wants to flog the ball on the ground because Marcus Mariota might not be a very good quarterback. So we're looking at like, okay, if he falls to the mid-late second, like to me, even if it looks like a committee, I have no problem taking him there. Whereas others that might float in and around, it might be a bit more more touch and go. But with startup, you're going to get like premium value. If you did a startup and you took Melvin Gordon this year, And he goes back to Denver and he still gets 45% of the touches and the receiving work. You're laughing like what for an extra year or two. And you're going to get like RB two production out of him, no matter what. So you are going to find value when those guys fall again, I'll go back to it a year ago with Leonard Fournette. He's he fell late in startups last year. And he, what was the RB five again? Like, so for me, I find that value is the best time to get these veterans who are in committees they're going to be in those startup drafts and you can just take them when they just drop. It's, it's you know, James Conner a year ago when he goes to Arizona, no one wanted to touch him. And here he is punching out 17, 18 touchdowns in a season or whatever it was. So, you know, that's the value that you're going to find in these guys in their mid, mid, you know, mid to late 20s that are going to get you that value and they're going to get you fantasy points while you stock up on those receivers and tight ends going forward.
0: Dan, I think you're making a good point here too. You've made it twice now. Austin Eckler and James Conner, because they're in a committee doesn't mean they're always going to be. Ah. So that's a great point. You know, Austin Eckler finished the the season. I don't think it was last year, but the year before running back three or four, James Conner looks like, you know, everybody's really bullish on him as well. Most people are some aren't. Yeah. Um, so it's a good point that right there. And, these guys are in a committee not now, but not always. Um, let's see. Pork.
1: I, I, do, I, I do my best work under pressure with that research,
0: so
1: <laughs> <laughs> we've got good
2: today.
0: Perfect. No worries. There right, we go. What about you? So,
2: um, for me, for the RBs, <clears throat> for stuff like that, um, for rookie drafts in particular, um, I would take them, you know, quite, quite, quite at value. I'm not going to totally reach one unless I, I you know, unless I really need one like a Rashad White that I would like um, in Tampa. Now that Ronald Jones isn't there, um, Leonard Fournette apparently came to camp at 260 pounds. So uh,
0: <laughs>
2: buy it. I, I, I'm not too sure how that's going to work out with the coaches, but I think real, Rashad real White is getting a lot of touches. Yeah.
0: Sleeper's been putting a lot of weight updates out there. Did you yeah, see one annoying. today? Elijah Moore now 190 pounds. Source Elijah yeah, that
2: Moore. Was, <laughs> don't care. <laughs> i love it yeah but it's like you know you know like you're talking about spiller for for instance isaiah spiller with eckler it's kind of like the reverse thing with the eckler and melvin gordon if something happens with eckler i want a spiller too um but when it comes to a startup um without rookies in it um i'm probably going to wait a little bit longer um unless i have like if i draft Ezekiel elliott I would probably get like a Tony Pollard just because just because just to get the super handcuff, in my opinion. Um, So I'll take that in in that instance for the startups. But and and other than that, I'm not trying to, you know, clog up my my roster too early with that. But if it becomes value later on and I see guys like that dropping down, um, I'll definitely take um, a a committee back and just see what happens. Because you never know due to injury or we'll see something in training camp. You can use those training camp news those sleeper things and use that for trade bait for the next year. If, if you're rebuilding on a team like that and you can get, you know, get some picks for, for your rookie drafts.
0: So for me, you know, it really depends on your team makeup. How's the team going? What do you need? Obviously every team looks different as you're assembling it, but I always found the cheapest you can get a running back typically is in the startup draft or I'm sorry in the rookie draft um one case that is not the the case right now those Miles Sanders everybody's really down on him He was a late first round pick when he came out now nobody wants him they really didn't add anybody in the offseason they didn't resign Jordan Howard Boston Scott's there and he's fine I like Boston Scott as a player not necessarily as a fantasy asset they have Kenneth Gainwell. they just have some other sign Kennedy Brooks who was one of the most boring running backs I've scouted in a long time <laughs> I did like him better than Tyron Davis-Price, I will say that. I think he's going to have a Jordan Howard-esque role, but they really didn't add much in the way of competition, so you could technically get him cheaper now than you probably drafted him for initially, but um, you know that's when I feel you'll get the, the running backs the cheapest. So let's move on to our last topic here. Would we consider trading for running backs in a crowded running back room? Do they make sense if you're either contending or rebuilding? Phil, let's start with you.
2: Um, For me, it's a no. Um, I don't, don't, if you're trying to, you know, buy a pick for, if I'm trying to contend, I don't want to give up my future picks for uh, a running back by committee back. That's not going to really give you the value that you're going to get for the, for a younger um, back in the future. Um, In that case, if I'm rebuilding and I'm trying to gain picks with it, then I, I might do so. Um, just, to, just to help my team out for the future. But, yeah, I, I don't want to um, pretty much waste value on, on guys that's not going to have a uh, uh, 100% of opportunity. Um, I'm probably mostly just trading uh, picks like that um, for bell cow backs if they're still available, but I, I don't want to uh, uh, waste my value on trying to get uh, running back by committee backs.
0: All right. Uh, Dan, how about yourself?
2: Yeah, so
1: I'm not. I'm not necessarily against it. You've just got to pick your spot. So for me, we look at like running backs, obviously running backs don't matter, right? So like we're looking at running backs that don't get second contracts that get cut and you're looking at guys that are getting their, you know, they might be RB2 or 3 on their depth chart and you can sit there and go, well, we can say Damian Harris in New England's probably not going to get a contract in New England, right? We know how they, how they do things. Ramondre Stevenson's probably going to take over at the end of the season and he's probably going to get some work now and you're going to get another two years out of him. So as long as you're not overexerting on what you're going to give away, I don't see a massive problem in it because running backs in the second round, third round of your rookie draft, they're as big of a gamble as it is anyway. So you're either going to overpay for a guy like hypothetically Stevenson in a year's time or you could get him on the cheap now for like a third or whatever it may be. You could, you could even go further. You could say, like, Chicago's a team that's cash-strapped, right? David Montgomery's probably not going to get paid there. Khalil Herbert, I know he's a favorite of the show. Oh, Zachy boy, how you going? I know that a guy like Khalil Herbert is a guy that, like, could take over from David Montgomery at the end of the year. That's that's a potential... You can get him. He's going to be in a committee at some point, right? So there's guys like that that you can get if you target them correctly that could contribute in a year's time. So I don't necessarily have a problem going after running backs that are in a committee. You just have to pick your spot with who and when.
0: Okay. Yeah, and, you know, Dan's making the point again. They're in a committee now, but not always. So that's something good to think about too. Uh, you know, for me, I don't, I'll don't. i trade for these guys if I'm rebuilding and trying to plug some holes in my roster. Um, you know, there's some players that I'll trade for that would be good flexes like a Devin Singletary, Tony Pollard. But again, if you're rebuilding and you just need to fill out your lineup and you can get some of these guys cheap, you know, sometimes teams don't want guys in a crowded backfield. So um, I have no problem doing it if there's a purpose to doing it. I'm not a guy that makes trades just to make trades ever. You know what I mean? Like I don't wake up and just go, I want to trade. (laughs) And then I'll try to pull something out. I don't do that. There has to be some sort of reason and logic behind it. So yeah, that's the only way I'll trade for it. If I'm rebuilding and I got to plug some holes and I need a running back to do it. So do we have any last closing thoughts on how to deal with running backs in a crowded backfield for your dynasty rosters? Yeah. No?
1: I, 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 think, I think, again, I'll, I'll just reiterate. I think a lot of it's just timing. That's it. Just if you're going to aim for one of these RB2s on a, on a depth chart, just time your run. That's it because... it, it, it six eight months time it's it's too late it's over like so just time your run with that but be patient
0: all right there you go be patient with the running backs in credit backfield so i uh, just want to reiterate we're going to be doing things a little different how we release things we are releasing every wednesday friday and monday so until next time everybody i'm your host michael bauer for phil and for dan the dfs thunder from down under we'll see you next time everybody <laughs>
2: Thanks for listening to
1: the Dynasty Rewind. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And as always, be kind, please rewind.